Comics and games to movies and TV. This is the Nerd Show on thirteen ten KFKA. Nerd rage. Nerd rage. Now here are the nerds. Happy Nerds Day, everyone! On this Thanksgiving Eve, here at one hundred three point one and thirteen ten KFKA, Northern Colorado's voice, coming to you from. Almost sunny Midtown Greeley here on this day before Thanksgiving. Micah, you got any uh, things that you're going to do for Thanksgiving? Well, uh, I think I'm spending Thanksgiving with a friend because the family's kind of split apart on Thanksgiving. So we're going to spend it together on Bronco Sunday. Um, And I, I will be watching the Broncos. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, probably going to that table, stealing some food, and then going back to the couch watching the Broncos. Yeah. Hopefully uh, convincing a niece or nephew or two to do the same, but don't know. Can't promise anything. Makes sense. Makes sense. We're hoping that Nick will be able to join us here momentarily. He is in route. Darthus Pincus. <laughs> so we will we will refer to him with that moniker until he arrives, but you've got... Myself and Micah Kilpatrick behind the glass being the person in control. A.K.A. Darth Monger. Darth Ambivalous. (laughs) (laughs) And that's us. So so there has been some really interesting news that have come out just in the last 24, 36 hours about Lucasfilm. We're going to talk about that in a later segment. We're going to wait for... Darthus Binkus to get here because we think he really needs to be able to talk about that. But before we jump into it, something that's kind of got a little bit of a Star Wars flavor to it that has a really long history and backstory is Zack Snyder is releasing Rebel Moon Part 1 on Netflix uh, here in, I believe it's actually next month is when it's actually coming out. That is uh, correct. December 22nd. And what's interesting is that... It's PG-13 being released on Netflix, but there's going to be a director's cut that is going to be an hour longer that's going to be R-rated. Is it called The Snyder Cut? Um, I think people will probably call it that. So (laughs) That's probably because The Snyder Cut of uh, Justice League was actually good, whereas Justice League was, no matter, depending on how you feel about it, it was either okay or garbage. And I actually felt like the Schneider Cut was a great, enjoyable film. I did, too. I thought it made so many of the things in the non-Schneider version that didn't make sense. It now brought it all together. It made a lot more sense. It was a much more enjoyable film throughout. And I appreciated all the nuances that were in the Schneider Cut that they, for whatever reason, edited out. I still didn't get that. Well... I don't know if it was one director thinking that, oh, this just won't fit, and another director going, oh, this is definitely, you know, this is definitely good for the movie. And also, Warner Brothers is full of idiots. I think when it comes to superhero stuff, they don't know how things work. They really don't. They're not run by nerds like you and me. Uh, 
they're just run probably by nerds that count beans and push pencils. Yeah, I don't know. I Let me give you my example of where the theatrical release really fell down and the Schneider cut made so much sense. So remember the scene when they blow up, like, what is it, Congress or whatever else when Superman's in there and the guy in the mechanical wheelchair explodes? Well, they don't explain how in the world he was able to get past security and Superman couldn't see it, but it well, was... Well, didn't he have, like, lead in his... Yes, but that wasn't that wasn't revealed until you actually see the Snyder Cut, because everything else, it just they just glossed over that whole element, and so him getting the wheelchair and all the other things, from what I recall, wasn't even in the original theatrical release. They they did do a good job of explaining the how and why it got to there and how it was made of lead and everything else. But in the theatrical release, I don't believe they even shared that information. Well, I only saw the director's cut of Batman v Superman. That's I, I believe I borrowed it from somebody and I it had the two versions on there. I watched the director's cut. So maybe that's why I saw the whole thing about the lead. Maybe it's, I don't know. They're, they don't know what they're doing there at Warner brothers, but I think Zack Snyder. Yeah. He's, he's very style sometimes over substance, but I thought there was a lot of substantive material in the director's cut. And even in, the theatrical version of of Justice League. And I, I didn't like a lot of... So I don't think he wrote Batman v Superman. I think he probably had something to do maybe with the direction of it, but I don't think he wrote it. I think someone else wrote it. So that you know jar of urine, garbage, all that weird stuff was someone else's idea but the tone is definitely if you didn't like the tone of the movie then you're probably not a Zack Snyder fan yeah but going back to this rebel moon thing so the story on this as I recall and I did some digging earlier in the year when this started to come out that this was coming and we were going to see it was that originally this was sold to Lucasfilm and they had actually bought the rights to it. And the whole idea was this was essentially going to be an R-rated version of a Star Wars film. And so when Disney owned the rights to it, that they just kept it. And within the last few years, they have released those rights, whether they sold them, you know, whether they sold them back to Zack Schneider or something else, that he then regained the rights to this story and he went through it. So I've seen a couple of like high-level trailers and things like that, and it's very Star Wars-esque. I mean, it really is. First trailer I saw was, I don't think it was Sunday Night Football. I think it was on Monday Night Football, uh, the Broncos game, where the Broncos beat the Buffalo Bills as part of their four-game winning streak. Um, And I texted you and Nick immediately, and... I was very excited about this. Yeah. I don't know too much about it. You saying that it's very Star Wars-esque makes me even more excited. Yeah, I hope it does. And, like, I mean, one of the fun things is about this is we actually have Anthony Hopkins who's playing a sentient battle robot. I mean, and I'm pulling this right off of IGN's website. And that it is. It's kind of the same thing. It's this whole small colony up against this really um, horrible 
tyrant that comes into it. So it's got even the Star Wars theme. It's the hero's journey. We're going to see a lot of that. But I think um, we're going to get it. And it's, according to IGN, but what's seen has drawn significant comparisons to Star Wars. And again, early reports was that it actually was supposed to be somewhat within the Star Wars lore that just never, never came to fruition. And thankfully... Zack Schneider got the rights back and is now building it and doing it on his own. So could be fun. I'm excited. I hope so. He, he is a very substantive, like a s- style. I should say he he does like a lot of style. Not a lot of substance in 300, but I imagine a lot of that was the graphic novel, and and he's very much known for that. But um, I would like to see more of Zack Snyder's stuff. I I do want to see him. And I'm not familiar with all his work. I'm more familiar with the action and nerdy stuff. I would like to see him do more serious work. I would like to see him maybe write some of his movies. I Again, I don't know too much of, of what he's done. So, um. Yeah, it's interesting that... And he's actually quoted in this article, and this is what he says. He's super proud of the PG-13 version. The broader audience version, because I would say that it really satisfies an awesome, timeless, mythological scope. But what we've done with the other version, the director's cut, is fun and subversive because an R-rated sci-fi movie at this scale shouldn't exist. So I'm not really sure what that means, but it does exist. So we've made that. We're going we're gonna to see that in all its beauty and splendor. So I'm kind of surprised as to why it shouldn't exist, but that's what Zach says. So, Well, I'm glad he's happy about the PG-13. A lot of times when you see regular version and director's cut, it's like having the theatrical version of, uh, oh God, I just forgot the name <laughs> of the movie. What's the one 1982-ish with all the robots? Um, I Robot? No, 1982. With Han Solo in it. <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. This is embarrassing. I am trying to figure out whether or not you're being sarcastic no, and making I, a Star I, Wars No, I can remember the composer's up. name, okay. Vangelis, but I can't remember the name of the movie. With Harrison Ford and a yeah. lot of robots. Well, he's... He's a robot, spoiler alert, himself. Oh, you're Blade Runner? Blade Runner, there we go. Oh my gosh. So you have the, the Blade, the theatrical version, mm-hmm. which the director did not really care for. Then you have the director's cut, and then you have the extended cut. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, the meaning of the movie depends on, well, the sequel. But um, it really, it, before the sequel, it really depended on you know, which version you saw. Yes. And uh, originally, I saw the one with all the, you know, the, well, I'm driving in a car with my girlfriend now and blah, 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 happy ending. And I don't like that version. I don't think anybody does. Nobody really references it. The movie studio did. Well, we'll go from there. And just to make sure that we're all on the same page, Micah, Harrison Ford was not a replicant in that show. The lady was, and now I'm blanking on her name. He's a replicant. Uh, No, he's not a replicant. He's a replicant. He is not a replicant. 
replicant. Rachel is. He's a replicant. No, Rachel is a replicant. He is not. You're thinking about Blade Runner 2049 and Kay is a replicant. I never, I don't recall seeing the sequel. Uh, I think I saw much of it. Ryan Gosling plays Kay in Blade Runner 2049, and he is a replicant. So Harrison Ford is not a replicant in the original Blade Runner. Okay. Well, that's no fun then. <laughs> we should take a break and then when I we like get the back, idea where he was we'll a talk replicant. about some other stuff that are nerd pop culture related. Stick around. We'll be right back. I haven't seen that movie since. 1990-something. <laughs> I assumed he was a replicant. Micah, go to break. Oh, sorry. Welcome back to the Nerd Show, where we have finally gotten Micah on the right path, and he understands. What was that, that question? Decker that... is not a replicant. Rachel is a replicant. Decker and and Rachel go off in between the first and the second film. They get married, if you will. I don't know exactly what they do, but they have a child, and that becomes the one of the primary elements of the second film. Well, I thought he was a replicant no. and somehow had a child with her. No. And she was a replicant, no. and that was some she, kind of weird miracle. Well, the fact that she was a replicant and she had a child was a weird miracle because that was the whole point of, in the second film, how they were unable to recreate that ability out of Rachel was the only one that could actually... Uh, conceive and they had never been able to recreate that scenario and the um, corporation that was doing it and I, I want to say it starts with a W and I'm blanking on some of my pop culture Westworld it's not Westworld oh sorry but it's never watch a yeah. uh, a very long <laughs> complicated movie at 8 o'clock in the morning when you're not a morning person sure but anyways they are trying to figure out how to get her back and at one point in time, they even tease Decker with a recreation of Rachel and having they basically CGI recreated Sean Young as the young Rachel replicant from the first film. So, but anyways, if you haven't seen Blade Runner or Blade Runner 2049, you should go see it. If you have, then you know what we're talking about. So we can continue on. I like the first one better, but maybe that's because I saw that one at night. In the 90s. That could be. Um, Speaking of other films that are kind of getting resurrected or rebooted, we get a new Dune next year, which I am super excited to see. Dune Part 2. Dune Part 2. And didn't Denis Villeneuve say he wants to do like five of them or at least three of them? I think that there is rumors around that. Some of the question is that um, that is... A possibility and that what they may end up doing is shortening Dune 2 so that they can actually release it in 2024. And then Dune 3, according to some of the releases that I'm seeing online right now, uh, as of August 29th, Dune 3 is in the works. Sweet. So that's what we're hearing. And the first Dune was excellent. I There are purists out there, like our friend from Fat Guys at the Movies, um, who did not like it that much. He's more of a fan of the 80s. He's a purist, and I 
I got to say, well, I the one from the 80s was kind of neat, but this new one's actually, I don't know, maybe it's some version of recency bias, because I really liked this one. Music in both was really great. Yeah, I think the old one just wasn't all that good. I mean, we think about staying in some of the other actors that played in that film. It just wasn't really, I don't think it was set up. You know, Frank Herbert created an amazing, amazing environment, and it, there was just no way for us to see it and capture it back then. I I almost equate it to what George Lucas used to say about he would like to make more Star Wars films, but the technology he had available to himself, he couldn't do it. So why not wait, which is why everybody says he waited until 1999 to do the prequels. But I think in the Dune series, they just didn't have the technology to make the film the way that it needed to be made to stay as true to the book as they could. And now they do. So, And uh, Denis Villeneuve is uh, a very, very, very fanatical fan yes. of Dune, the book. Which, mm-hmm. um, aren't they making a Sisters of the Temple, I don't know, whatever Helen Mirren's character was, they're making a show for them. I don't know how many episodes, but that sounds it kind of interesting. Be. That whole yeah. scene mm-hmm. was really cool. Yeah. It, there's there's really not much you can pick apart about Dune Part 1 because the music was great. The acting was great from everywhere. The cinematography was fantastic. It was such a good show, uh, well, such a good movie. Uh, Nick and I talked about this when it came out uh, last October. It was so good. It's tough to pick anything out. The plot was great. Oh, Um, yeah. It was absolutely did did such a fantastic job. And, you know, I'm really excited. This is probably the movie I'm excited about the most. I could understand that. Darth, uh, Darth... Darthus Binkus, we're talking about has entered Dune the building. Two. Yes, he's here. I, I, am I on? Yeah, yeah you are. Your, on. your microphone <laughs> and you're live. Your your microphone's on now. Darthus Binkus. It's fair. Yeah, I think that punishment fits a crime. The yeah. name fits the the time. It does. Tardy time. We were discussing Dune and some of the things that we're looking forward to as that comes out early next year, and it's probably on the top of most fans pop culture fans lists as what they're most looking forward to i didn't see that one in theaters i'd love for them to re-release that before the second one comes out just because the score is incredible and and if they want to make money if they want to make money absolutely i will take a day off and see it yeah i could imagine them doing something very similar to what we've seen in the past with some of these big movies where they bring the first Part one out, you listen, you get to sit and watch part one and you go and see it at four o'clock in the afternoon and then at seven o'clock or at midnight or whatever else, then the second part airs. I would absolutely be up for that. Maybe not the midnight one. I'm that's a stretch for me, but I, you know, if it's <laughs> can I watch the, part one at midnight and then part two after that? Not for the not at the theater. I don't know. Probably I would not love to do, do that. that. No, that's a that's. I'm surprised we haven't started seeing trailers yet, because um, this was supposed to have come out already. But of course, you know, with the the, the strikes and everything, got it pushed back. But I'm 
I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think we will. I believe there's already one trailer out. Who is it? Um, there the is one? there is a part two trailer, so we have mm. seen that already, and I think it's going to be a great show. I don't remember when it first came out, but what was the what was the initial um, feedback from it? Did it get good reviews from theater, or did it start picking up steam once it was? Uh, I believe on it the did. Service? I think the problem was they because of the pandemic they were there was a lot of releasing things on streaming did this even come out and in, theaters. in theaters oh it yeah. did okay. it did and i alongside you i regret seeing it on the the computer because it just it does not have the same effect and i have some good speakers but it just does not feel the same no not on the not in a Dolby digital surround sound. Yeah, I did see it in theaters, and I wish I would have seen it a second time in theaters because it was so good. But came out in 2021, 8 out of 10 on IMDb, 83% Rotten Tomatoes score. So I think the reviews and the feedback from the fan base and everything else has been extremely positive. I almost think it deserves a 9 out of 10 on IMDb. I think it's that good. And I agree. And the- and as I said before, uh, sorry to interrupt, as I said before Nick came in, a lot of people who don't like it don't like it because they like the first one. They're obsessed with the <clears throat> first one. And the f- the whole nostalgia the thing is, to where they get a little yeah. uh, kind of a little too defensive of it, or and and offended by new things, or because it's yeah, it's cult, it's a cult classic, and maybe I like this one because it's it's new and the old one's kind of campy to me. Although I, the old one's good in its own right. I will. I I, I listened to the audio book of Dune after I'd seen the movie, and you know, it's usually I enjoy the book a lot more. And I didn't enjoy the book as much as I enjoyed the film. I think they're telling a much more interesting story than than the complexities of the book. Well, and I think that some of the other things, and Mike, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but some of that nostalgia may come from some of the folks that were in the cast. Because Jean-Luc was in that film, and he played uh, Gurney. That's true. Yeah, oh, and so Gurney you've got it. that, yep. And then you've got Sting... Who was plays you know Fred? I can't even pronounce his name the right way, but and Sting, he's the police, right? Yeah, Sting, the guy from the police. And again, if we think about social media and all the other things and thing, it's got a six point three out of ten on IMDb and a forty four percent Rotten Tomato score. So. And I I don't think it deserves to be that low. I do. I think it's just <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, was it a, was it just a one movie back then? Yeah. They just did the single film, and it was ridiculously long, three hours and 40 minutes. You just hate it because you hate Toto, don't you? No, not at all. I actually just, I think because I read the book, it's been a long time since I've read the book, but knowing how not aligned with the book it was, was part of the reason I didn't like it. But that's just me. Drop the mic. We can talk about other things when we come back after this break. We've got Nick back in studio, so we'll have an entire segment, actually an entire half of the show. And we're going to talk a little bit about Dave Filoni. That should be exciting. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Nerd Show. It feels kind of weird. We're like swapped roles today over here in the captain's chair. You have the con. I do. I have the con. And But we now we have everybody back. So we've got myself and Nick and Micah. So we've got all three of us in studio talking all things nerdy. And something you and I have talked about, Nick, on multiple occasions about who should be running the Star Wars franchise. and Me. Us. Sure. Oh. But we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> so then the second best option is actually what just came out yesterday from a news perspective. And it was, I believe the story was originally broken by Vanity Fair, but Dave Filoni is now the chief creative officer overseeing all things Star Wars. There's a, that, this is huge. I just got chills on my arms because Dave Filoni, I mean, he, he, he created Ahsoka Tano. He, he was the, the brains behind the Clone Wars and, um, is is a big driving force with John Favreau with all the new Star Wars we're getting now not the not the films but you know the the TV series this is awesome i mean i can't think of anyone else to to be the cco of of lucasfilm um which is a position that didn't exist before nope. um i don't know exactly what that entails i haven't read the article but uh this you got a guy who grew up with Star Wars who loves Star Wars and who's done a really great job Telling stories in the Star Wars universe, who's now at the helm? Like, what? What is? What does this mean? Because this is Lucasfilm, not Disney. Yes. So, so here's what Vanity Fair is actually reporting, and it says that in their story, that creator will be much more involved in the early development. He'll work alongside Kathleen Kennedy and the head of development, Carrie Beck. And basically, Dave is quoted as saying, "In a lot of the projects, he was brought into it later." Now, he's going to be brought in, and he will be involved at the idea inception stage. So, literally, the ideation process he's going to be involved with, and I'm super excited about that. That is fantastic. Well, can you imagine uh, what the projects had been before he was was brought in? How much tweaking has been done over the years with Dave Floney? Like, wait a minute, pump the brakes. What are we doing here? Yeah. I th- I think this is great for Star Wars. I was, you know, I I shared that once you messaged me earlier today, Scott, or yesterday. Um, <laughs> you know, to my older brother, who you know, he and I share the love for Star Wars, and uh, he thinks I think this is unfair that well, here come the reboots and the retcons of the movies. I don't, yeah, I, I don't, don't see that. Happening. I don't see that happening. What I see is the opportunity for some things to get deeper in story. I think we're. We've almost been guaranteed now that we're going to get a um, second season of Ahsoka. So knowing how involved and how near and dear Ahsoka is to Dave Filoni and to George Lucas, I think we'll see that happen. I think some of the other films that are in process now, what I'm curious about is will Dave still be running the ship on the film that was announced at Celebration back in April, because that was one of the big things everybody's all excited about, that he was going to do this, kind of be the director of this Mandoverse film. Will he have the time and the ability to do that now? Speaking of Mandoverse, uh, and I want to answer that, but remind us to talk about um, um, uh, Pedro Pascal yeah, um, and his not coming back to Mando. As far as physically. Physically. But, um, yes. We'll get to that later. I, th- I think this could actually be a better thing. Yeah, I'd love to see a Filoni film, but Filoni hasn't done a major film, and but he's done a great job storytelling with TV series. Could this be just as good because he's there on the inception phase and have a little more, um, I guess, say about the, the concept of that film? I, I or hope maybe so. less of a say because he's... 
I don't know. I see it as a, a positive on both sides and yeah. a negative on both sides. Let's just hope that we don't see another Book of Boba Fett. Because that was kind of sort of what he wanted to bring to bear. And I feel like that that was not his best work. No, certainly not. <laughs> I think a lot of that was direction, though. And he didn't do a lot of directing on that. Storytelling, it wasn't It wasn't a, you know, a Mando or an Ahsoka or an Andor. But some of the directing, I mean, I still <laughs> viscerally get so angry <laughs> thinking about how dumb they thought the audiences were to remind us almost every episode of those terrible flashbacks with Boba and yeah. the Tuscans. And it was just seemed... I, I I can't get over it, but you know I couldn't stand the motorcycle people. Yeah, the the the, most the, Vespa? the, Vespa, the Vespa gang was <laughs> was. I think that there will probably be a lot of ridicule, and that will be. It almost feels like we needed that because we sort of needed some of the. We needed a Jar Jar Binks, <laughs> right? And the, still, if that's the worst Star Wars we've had out of the last four or five projects, I'll take it. It wasn't great, but it was. It was neat to see Tamira Morrison back um, to have a little bit of a, a Boba Fett story. There's some great moments there, you know, with him just shooting Bib Fortuna and, of course, oh, riding, Fortuna. riding the, the Rancor. I mean, some predictable things. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of have to remind myself and, and, hey, we're thinking of The Mandalorian as a, as a chapter book. And they've made these books before, too, these novels, mm-hmm. um, where they've bounced back from major characters for entire chapters or seasons, as I think we're getting now with Mando 1, Mando 2, Book of Boba Fett, Mando 3, um, and, you know, maybe something beyond – maybe uh, – so I don't know. She's not a Mandalorian, but – no. Well, speaking of Mando, uh, we had announced this was last week when we were throwing axes, Scott and I and our team, um, that Pedro Pascal is reportedly not returning physically to Mandalorian. Um, didn't say anything about uh, – I assume he'll still be the voice yeah. uh, of Mando, and that makes sense because you can do that anywhere. I haven't seen much outrage from the fans, but I think you need to remember – I don't. He was only on set and portraying Mando when he took his helmet off. Yeah, very, very infrequently when he was doing any, when there was any helmeted action, was he actually there? And that's kind of why we had the three different characters. He was kind of the face, he was the person, and then you had, you know, kind of the action guy who was, uh, um, you know, a mixed martial arts kind of, you know, specialist, and then he also had the stunt guy. And so the two of them, I believe, are going to be reprising their roles in that regard, and they just don't necessarily need him because. He's bathed in the waters of beneath the ruins of Mandalore, so he's never going to take his helmet off again. And I like how you mentioned that, too. I think, you know, fans were, why can't we see more of his face? I think we've seen it plenty. Yeah. You had, and especially those powerful moments. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had the end of season one where IG-11, um, you know, heals him. That was a pretty powerful moment for as much as he hated droids. Yep. And then you get that, you know, when, as he's trying to, uh, with, um, oh, what was his name? Bill Burr's character. Oh, um, Mayfield. Mayfield, yeah. That was, oh, intense. Yeah. I mean, that was some some mm-hmm. very tense moments in that storytelling with uh, that Imperial officer. Uh, and then, of course, you get it when he says goodbye to Grogu, but mm-hmm. we haven't seen him without his helmet. I don't think there's a need to. We know what he looks like. And as you said, he's bathed in, in the waters of Mandalore. So he's he's... He's been forgiven. He has been redeemed, I believe, as the armorer would say, so that he's... 
and his yeah. career's taken off. Not oh, yeah. even from before Mando, but you know, I'd much rather have him spend his time in, in Last of Us season two than I would as uh, you know taking his helmet off in Mando again. Still love the voice, and he'll be great with that. And again, you could do that in a sound you know, studio like this, yeah. and and cast the voice for for Mando. But would you rather him be Reed Richards? Because no. that's the rumor. I know that's a rumor. I actually would rather have John Krasinski. Me too. He was pretty dang good. Agreed. Yep. I think that's where it is. Well, let's take another break. We'll pay some bills. We'll do some advertising. And when we come back, we will jump into this last segment with more pop culture nerdiness. Stick around. Welcome back to the Nerd Show. So, just thought I'd get this out here coming from the Aloe Fiber Studios. Week two of the Marvels, they're already out of the number one spot. And obviously it has been one of the worst MCU uh, film performances that we've had to date. And I thought it was really interesting because um, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is the Hunger Games prequel... Actually, in its opening weekend, outperformed the Marvels. Well, that's well, not surprising. Yeah, we, we we kind of expected that, wouldn't we? Because that was a very popular franchise. It was, but I think it reinforces how not really great that Marvels movie was. Although I didn't not enjoy it, I thought it was decent. But I just found it was interesting, and there's a lot of negative news coming out about the MCU and about those characters and about the film in general, and it's just been interesting to watch. And I actually am looking forward to going to see the new Hunger Games, or the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, so I'm going to maybe try and get that. Those. I haven't seen Heretic. any of them either. Yeah. I've heard great, and I, I, it's not that I don't think I wouldn't enjoy them. Yeah. But The first movie is really good. The second one gets a little bit more political. Um, and then the third and the fourth one, which is basically the third book broken into two parts, is really kind of more political. It's less action. It's more kind of subterfuge and some other things that are going on in it. The books were really, really good. I enjoyed the books quite a bit, but it was just something that was going on. It could be a nice, like, long snow day thing for me could. if we ever get some snow. Absolutely. I will Which we're supposed to be getting on Thanksgiving mm, into yeah. Uh, Black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Shop local. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I finished my second watching of Andor. I think I mentioned that a few weeks yep. ago. And, oh, gosh, it was better the second time. And I think everything hit harder, too. And you know what I didn't know? But both Luthen's speech and uh, the No Way Out uh, speech – um, happened in the same episode. Two yeah. of the best, you know, yeah. speeches and monologues. Plus, mm-hmm. you have Marva's at the end of that uh, that season. Wow, yeah. I mean, that was just such great storytelling and incredible character development. Hey, speaking of incredible, um, one of the shows <laughs> that uh, Mike and I have been watching that we really think is incredible is actually Invincible on Amazon, and that has taken an interesting twist in this past episode. And I was waiting for it to happen. When his dad was going to come back, and I thought it was a really it interesting, quick. savvy way the way they did it. Yeah, less than halfway into the season, and Omni Man is back, and it's almost like he is now. I'm trying to figure out what they're going to do with him. Is they are they going to make him a little bit more of a benevolent leader, or what are they doing? Well, I'm kind of thinking that too. 
I I almost feel like he's I, I they're gonna probably pull the rug out from under us, but it it almost seems as if he is a benevolent leader, but he probably still has a screw loose. But maybe, maybe not. I haven't read the graphic novels yeah. that ran for I think thirteen years. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting to see. Has his love for his son, the unexpected love for his son, changed him as a man? Or has he is he just more of the same? And has he conquered this world and he's brought his son to show him, look, yeah. this is what we're going to do for these people. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, and oh my gosh, we had and um, we had Frank Cullen actually voice the leader of the the group that's actually standing up to oppose. Um, is it the the? It starts with a V. I can never remember the name of their Viltramite. The Viltramites. Oh, yes. Nice job. Nice job. I made job. up for segment one. You did, and he's actually the one that's kind of the bad guy here, and he kills Alan. At the at the end of that episode, and he's that, like, "Forgive me." That was a little bit of a twist, right there, too. So that made me sad. Yeah. Just seeing Alan. So Alan's getting the he's the uh, whatever alien races. Yeah, like he is their champion. Mm-hmm. He has been created in a lab to be, you know, to to fight the Viltrumites. Yeah, and he just can't do it. One Viltrumite is much stronger than he is. So he's been sent around the mm-hmm. universe to One. try to recruit. And in this episode, like you just see a couple of Viltramite people just beating the crap out of him. And I thought he was dead initially yeah, in I space did too. when they punched him. And he's just sitting there. <laughs> His arm is gone. Out. He's yeah. been punched through the chest. And yeah, yeah I'm... I'm going. There's, there's no way he's alive, and I, I felt so bad for him because he was a cool character, yeah. and you know he had a, a maybe a girlfriend, and he definitely did. You know, voiced by Seth Rogen. So, well, not the girlfriend, not he the girlfriend. Voiced he's by, voiced by Seth Rogen, but he was he the one that cat. comes back, and he's like, hey, I've, you know, I found our champion, and here's all the details, and then it ends up that it goes sideways. So. Just yeah, and what's going to happen to the champion who is known as Mark Grayson? Yeah. Well, what's going to happen to him? Well, we already know he now is going to meet with his dad, and now we're not sure whether or not the Viltramites are they're upset with Omni-Man. We know that because he he sired a child and he didn't fulfill, he left his post and he went off and so they're upset with him, but you know, so maybe this kind of becomes a little bit of a a three-way clash between the Viltramites and then you've got Omni-Man and Invincible and then you've got this other coalition that may or may not be trying to do something about it and then don't forget about Mark's mom getting ostracized the moment she says who she is and I thought that was that was definitely not a surprise but I still felt bad for her. Is Omni-Man officially the Lord of the Flies? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Because that, that species he's kind of ruling over seems to be a bunch <laughs> a very of fly insect-like, people. insect-like, yes. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, the the dog, the Captain Canine is what they used to kind of put him at ease uh, when they originally showed up to convince him to go to their world. That was a little bit odd. 
I like how nerdy Mark Grayson is. Yeah. Like, he's a super – he's more nerdy than I am. He's got all yeah. his collectibles, although they're not in the box. No, they're not. So they're not vintage. But he had lots of options, so um, – Good stuff today. Everybody, hope you have a great Thanksgiving. If you have a Thanksgiving tradition, we didn't even get a chance to talk about those before we finish. But go out and explore your great day. Go shopping on Friday. Get Shop some local. frozen pizzas and ignore that gross turkey. Or whatever. But And stuffing is also awful. Not a fan of stuffing. But all we do know is that you should have oh a great goodness. day. And nerdians, you should stay nerdy. <laughs> No stuffing? Stuffing can stuff it.